Hey there, and welcome to Blazing the Path, hosted by Rob Hetherington. This is a Portland Trailblazers podcast by a fan for the fans. Hey, hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com. Welcome back, Portland Trailblazers and NBA fans alike. This is Blazing the Path, episode 10, coming off the top of the hour with news of the uh, Blazers coaching search, Jason Kidd being involved there, as well as a lot of news about the second round of the playoffs with four great series in these round two semifinals. The Portland Trail Blazers coaching search um, has just been reduced by one person, Jason Kidd, uh, removes his name from the Blazers search. He he says he, he doesn't think him being the coach is necessarily aligned with what the Blazers are looking to do going forward, which definitely makes sense. Becky Hammond enters the coaching consideration buzz for the Blazers. That, that'd definitely be an exciting change to the Blazers organization. A coach that definitely emphasizes both ends of the ball after you know several years of having Terry Stotts, who is a more offensive mind. He really got the offense going, but what this team is looking for now is to get better on the other side of the ball. Becky Hammond entering this conversation definitely provides hope for that. You know, she she was coaching as an assistant under Popovich for several years and has, I'm sure, been shaped in her coaching style by Greg Popovich's philosophies and coaching strategies. So it'll it'll definitely be interesting to see if she continues to gain buzz for this for this job if she's a top candidate Mike D'Antoni interviewing earlier this week but yeah so some some optimism for the Blazers if they can get you know Becky Hammond just because she really provides a strong emphasis on both sides of the ball and not even just that with Nurkic unsure of his future here getting someone in who was with the team towards the end of Tim Duncan's career but nonetheless I'm sure has learned a lot from Greg Popovich on on how to effectively use a forward like that. And so Nurkic looking to step up his game. Terry Stotson really put an emphasis on the forwards, obviously with two very talented superstars in Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. But that being said, Becky Hammond coming in, she would definitely be able to use those forwards possibly better. And having been a coach on a team where Tim Duncan played, I think she definitely could help Nurkic get involved more in a, in a less uh, two-guy dominated offense. Um, Damon CJ, of course, will still get their looks. It's just that extra pass off, that third or fourth pass, possibly to the post or just at the top to make a make a player an assist from it'll be it'll be interesting to see round two of the playoffs kicked off this past week beginning of this week i've already had some really great games first off got to cover this the suns and nuggets series going going to that game four starting with game one as a back and forth in the first half really really just a tale of an average 
Jokic game that we've come to expect being the MVP, but you look at this Suns team and they're just they're just able to do a lot more with all the pieces just because they're not dealing with injuries and they have a very deep bench. So in that in that first game, uh, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, and Compazzo contributing looks solid to start, but the Suns just had their closers going down the stretch in that second half. Of course, Chris Paul and Devin Booker are able to close, but they had four with 20-plus. So you're getting that contribution from Crowder and Bridges combining for nine threes. They lighten the load on that superstar duo of Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Suns win by 17. Take care of that one pretty easily. Game two, the Nuggets just have a slow start. They're kind of hit or miss out of the gates. Against the Blazers, it was usually more hot right out the gates, but this game too, Michael Porter Jr. and Aaron Gordon really in a shooting slump to start the first half. Monte Morris is absent offensively for one of the first times we see in these playoffs. Very talented guy in that first round series against the Blazers, putting up you know 18 points most games or more. After torching Portland in the first round, he comes out, out the gate and doesn't do too well. Will Barton returns. He does well on both ends, as to be expected from a guy like that, a veteran that's known for that. But the combination of Morris, Barton, and Jokic with some of the other guys really struggling to find their shot, relying on a guy like Compazzo, who's a great basketball veteran who just hasn't played the NBA level very long, and they're putting him in there at high minutes. Not seeing it from MPJ, Gordon, Compazzo, and Rivers have started to taper off a little bit from their shooting in that first series. It just, it just looks like They're just not able to rely on anyone just yet. Michael Porter Jr. is emerging, but if he's struggling, there's no really third option for them to go to. With Murray coming back, of course, next year, the Suns getting off in this game too. Six guys in double figures. Sarge starts getting more minutes. Cameron Johnson ends up with two clutch threes down the stretch. Just another guy that can contribute off the bench and, and put points on the board and defend. Devin Booker didn't have to carry as much with Chris Paul as you know they, they kind of become expected to do in that fourth quarter. They didn't really have to rely on them to score 25, 30 points. Chris Paul with his masterful 15 assist game to go with 17 points, but they're able to win by 25 without Booker or CP3 having to shoot every shot just because they have so many guys around them that can get an open shot like Crowder, Bridges, Cameron Payne's emerging now, and it's just impressive to see. Game three, the Suns superstar duo of Chris Paul and Devin Booker definitely take over, putting themselves further in that tier of NBA duos and NBA teams. It's just going to be a force to be reckoned with, able to carry the team in the clutch, and it just helps so much that in the first two games, they they didn't necessarily have to do that. Everyone contributed, but in these games, these two guys, they can take over. They look poised for a run to the finals by the time game three comes around. They're really getting whatever shots they want. Chris Paul ends up with 27, Booker with 28. No one of those two hitting more than three or four threes, but they really didn't need to. They just got it wherever they wanted from the mid-range. Booker, Crowder, and Paul contribute tremendously huge shots late in the fourth to counteract Jokic's insane triple-double with 32 points, 20 rebounds, and 10 assists. Morris shows up again. He and Barton help a help a team on both ends despite MPJ and Aaron Gordon struggles who go combined seven to twenty-three. But even with those three guys, Morris, Jokic, and Barton going, 
it's just it's just not enough against the Suns team that's going to have five or six guys going every night. That game, the Suns also collect 10 steals. They shot 12% better on field goals across the floor and three-pointers and 27% better from the line at just like a crazy 90% team free throw shooting percentage. So that's that's how game three goes. The Suns pull away with ease. 116 to 102 is the final score of that one for the Suns. Game four, winner die situation for the Nuggets here. The Suns come out, Booker and Paul taking turns scoring or facilitating. Chris Paul and Devin Booker coming out, putting up 71 combined points and 11 combined assists. Not much you can do against that. For for the Nuggets, Michael Porter Jr. finds his rhythm a little too late in the series. Over 20 points, but it comes at a time when it's just really him, Jokic, Barton, and Morris competing against a, a very deep Suns team. Jokic held to just four assists. Aaron Gordon makes just three field goals. You put all that together and it just it wasn't the game for the Nuggets to come back in at the end. Barton drops 25 and Morris 19, but being down just four with eight minutes left, the Suns came out at that point and their starting five all contributed, particularly Chris Ball, Booker and Bridges, getting any shot they want, being able to rely on eight and to even get an offensive board against someone like Jokic to get them their shots. You just you just can't compete against that down the stretch, a team that deep, so they end up winning 125 to 118, sweeping the Nuggets. Nothing crazy with the Nuggets panicking or anything like that after this this turnout. It's a sweep that comes without their star point guard, and they're probably just going to look to, if I had to guess, run it back with this team next year with the healthy Jamal Murray, and then Barton coming back too. It's it's really going to make a difference for them next year. And they're a team that looks to be a force the next two to five years with their core when they're healthy. Suns win that series, move on looking like an absolute darling to make it to the finals. Of course, that that road will lead through either the Jazz or the Clippers, two top teams in the West, but with duo star talent that the Suns have just really coming out this year, you gotta gotta respect what Monty Williams has done, taking this from a team in the teens for wins before he got there, gets there, win in the 30s in a season where they go to the bubble before even getting Paul, and they they win eight straight, relying on Booker and, and Aiton. Becoming a transcendent team really this year with their performances in these playoffs that they've really had all year long matters just that much more as, as a team that can make it all the way. And this is a team that is becoming part of the conversation these next few years, getting past that 50-win mark now with Monty Williams, that they, they could really make a, they could make a run how deep they are and how poised their superstars are. Not something that every team can say. And so going into this Jazz Clippers series, game one, the Jazz are slow the first half, despite Mitchell's transcendent play with over 20 points. He finishes the game with 45 points and six threes. With it coming down the wire, the Jazz just sent Bogdanovich, hits a big three in the fourth to put him up 10. And, and you know, the Clippers muster a comeback. Paul George hits a big three after a slow start to make it 109-112. to 112. But the main story is Gobert comes out with a pivotal block for this series to, to move the energy into game two. On their end, he blocks Morris's jumper to seal the win. Paul George shoots only 23.5% from the field goal, and they just they just can't get it done. Game two, the Clippers come out with much better shooting for Paul George, Reggie Jackson, Kawhi and Paul George combined for 77 points, but Mitchell shines with his 37. He and Clarkson both hit six threes. 
Bogdanovich, Ingles, and O'Neal hit big threes to go up 113 to 103. They get another 10 point lead. Mitchell hits a shot to make it a three possession game down the stretch with 29 seconds left. They end up winning 117 to 111. Jazz have a slow start in that game one. Then the Clippers have a slow start in game two. And then we move to game three where the Jazz have a another slow start. The Clippers regather and hold their own from the three-point line, matching the threes that the Jazz make. Paul George, just a tremendous recovery game to combine for 67 points with Kawhi after some poor shooting in the in the first two games. The Jazz get 14 from Clarkson, but they get little or no help from the rest of the bench. So the Clippers take that game, 132-106. Episode 10 here being recorded during the Hawks 76ers, as well as the Clippers-Jazz game four. So this Hawks Sixer series coming out game one, you got to love what Trey Young and Collins are able to do. Collins is money from the floor, 21 points paired with Trey Young's 35 points, 10 assists. Herter contributes 15 and Lou Williams puts an eight solid players off the bench. You got to love what John Collins comes out and does getting a little frustrated without getting many of the touches coming down on possessions. He, he said that in the past. He, sh- he should definitely be part of that one-two, him and Trey Young, sometimes not getting his looks to get more than 10 points. But he comes out in this series, does what I think is the key to success for this Philadelphia team going forward if they want to they want to make finals pushes in the in the next one to three years is just having those two guys on the same page with great chemistry i think john collins is an all-star um if he if he gets the right role with that team really gets rolling deandre hunter and cam reddish being healthy moving forward both lottery picks um, is going to space the floor for collins that much more and he's going to get more looks so i don't think this season is necessarily an accurate reflection of what he's going to be going forward just because they, they didn't have all their pieces around him to get him the looks and the spacing this this end of this season then going to these playoffs it's it's definitely you know a, a whole new ball game a fresh start and for him coming out these first few games in that first series and then this series it's got to be good for his confidence going forward philadelphia seth curry tobias harris and Embiid all get over 20 points those three really really carry the team offensively Embiid with 39 points on 57 percent shooting not being enough in that game one despite atlanta's 26 turnovers danny green goes over four from three just something that that can't happen if, if you're going to compete down the stretch at the end of these games. Ben Simmons missed seven of his ten free throws. Right there, you have enough to support a losing by a few points just with those missed opportunities to put points on the board. Atlanta ends up pulling that one off 128-124. to 124. Game two, Philly takes that one. They're able to close out like a true finals contender with this core. 61 points in the second half. Atlanta, a combined eight threes from Gallo and Herter but only eight points from John Collins and Trey Young going one of seven from three point, a game for Philadelphia where they had the upper hand. Atlanta, 20 plus turnovers again for the second straight game. Seth, Tobias Harris, and, and Joel Embiid all get 20 plus again. They combine for 83. Joel Embiid, 52% field goal percentage, 40 points and 13 boards. Shake Milton hits a barrage of threes, ends up with four of them off the bench, propels the team to victory. Philly wins that one, 118 to 102, to tie the series up at one. Game three, Sixers come out with 30 plus points in the last three quarters. Embiid ends up with 27, putting on scoring clinics every game, 
even with a knee that's not 100%, getting a little bit closer every game, looking a little bit more dominant as time goes on. It's just something where Embiid missing over 10 games last year and still being in that three-man run for MVP down the stretch, a candidate for that with Jokic and Curry. You got to give him credit. He didn't play a full season, and he was still able to put himself up there, averaging over 28 points a game. Korkmaz comes in for Danny Green when he gets hurt. Furkan Korkmaz hit three threes. Had 14 total points. Just very, very good contribution to this team. In that first game, Danny Green struggled. Atlanta, 28 turnovers in this one. Not going to get it done. Kevin Herter, just three points, even though John Collins and Trey Young combined for 51. They hit just six threes as a team, not really getting it from the bench again. You really see them missing Reddish and Hunter there for that spacing they get all those guys open shots. Game three is a story of Atlanta just not being able to find that spacing, find those passes to get their offense going. A lot of times getting close to the shot clock, turning it over because there's no one open. You gotta you gotta wonder going forward in this series how that will go for them. Milwaukee and Brooklyn, save the best for last as far as the media darling of this series. Kevin Durant versus Giannis is coming up late in this series. First few games look like the Nets emerging star duo, Kevin Durant and Kyrie out there it'd be it'd be that versus Giannis and once James Harden went out and then you know Kyrie ends up spraining his ankle in this series but at the beginning of the series game one Brooklyn has just eight turnovers they get a combined 37 from Joe Harris and and Blake Griffin something that's just tremendously important to this team to have that scoring behind big two at times or the big three just because they kind of traded off to get these guys a little bit of their depth their benches one to three guys coming in that can really contribute a lot and then after that they're just not getting the scoring from their bench so to see these other guys contributing is pivotal for this Brooklyn team bench has 24 points that fuels their win despite the game from Giannis with 34 points 11 rebounds big factors hindering the Bucks were Middleton going 6 of 23 for just 13 points and PJ Tucker having just seven not really contributing on the offensive end. Going forward, you, you have to think that his role on the offensive end, he needs he need to be contributing for them to have success. And then the bench between the big three guys that come in, Bryn Forbes, Bobby Portis, and Connaughton, just not providing a lot of scoring off the bench. And that's, that's going to be crucial as the series goes on, that their bench will play the, the Nets bench, just because that's, that's an advantage for them, is there guys that come in, Portis and Connaughton being a little bit more seasoned, Bryn Forbes stepping into an increased role with this team, providing great minutes going forward in this series that's that's something that if they don't have that it's just it's just not going to go for them game two Giannis held to just 18 Milton again with under 20 at 17 points PJ Tucker only has two combined Forbes Portis and Connaughton only have 12 just something that's not going to get it done against this Brooklyn team they shot just 29.6 percent from three against a Brooklyn team that isn't known for their defense and and is more inclined to allow threes. KD is 32, Kyrie is 22 to combine for 54. They get big games from Harris and Griffin again. They each have 13 points. And Mike James comes in with uh, 12 points in that first one, 10 points in this one. They shoot very elite clips from three this game, 50%. They make 21 total threes compared to Milwaukee's eight. 
and and that's the key to the win for Brooklyn. Going down the stretch, they win 125 to 86, just a thrashing. Game three comes around. Milwaukee gets off to a hot start. They outscore the Nets 30 to 11 in that first quarter, but the Nets kind of claw and strip their way back into this one. Gets it down to 65 to 67 Milwaukee by the end of the third quarter, but. When it came down to crunch time, Giannis was money. He had 33 and 14 rebounds. Middleton ends up with 35 points and 15 rebounds. Holiday with just nine. He kind of struggles a bit in this game. Not to mention the bench big three I talked about earlier for the Bucks only had six points. You put those three guys out there, they, they got to have someone getting 10 points usually to win. Surprisingly, that's not the case for this game. Brooklyn only made six of 31 three-pointers. KD and Kyrie, 30 and 22 respectively for 52 points. They only had seven bench points or help from the team. Just three points from Joe Harris on one of 11 shooting. Milwaukee takes that 186 to 83. Game four showdown this weekend. Kevin Durant, just nine of 25. Kevin Durant has 28 points. Kyrie goes down, badly bends his ankle. If you guys saw that, very tough to see, just fully bent. And he sprains that. Kevin Durant ends up with five turnovers. Guarded by Tucker and Middleton, not a lot of threats on that Nets offense to score 20 plus without Kyrie or James Harden there. So they're they're doubling down on Kevin Durant. No one else can really get it going for Brooklyn. Kyrie's the only other person in double figures with 11 for the Nets. Tucker and Middleton really go to town, guarding Kevin Durant, forcing turnovers, slowing down his shot creation. And then the other guys on the court for the Bucks really played great man-on-man defense, making sure they, that Kevin Durant didn't have many outlets to go to throughout the game. Milwaukee, Giannis puts up 34 points and 12 boards. This game, you see him really emphasizing that perimeter. Really, you see Budenholzer and this Bucks team go to Middleton and Drew Holiday to create Middleton with 19 points and 8 assists, Drew Holiday with 14 points and 9 assists. And then you also love to see Bryn Forbes and Pat Connaughton put together 18 points, 10 for Forbes and 8 for Connaughton for that Milwaukee win. 107-96 tied the series up. Going into the games this Monday night, the Who You Got portion of the Blazing the Path Twitter page did a poll today for both for both games. Philadelphia versus Atlanta. Fans are saying 83% in favor of Philadelphia to LA and Utah. Fans are 71% in favor of the Clippers to take that one home for these remaining series. I would have to say I have Philadelphia winning this one in six. LA taking theirs in seven and Milwaukee taking theirs in six. So we'll see how this goes. Very excited for the games tonight. You just really see some teams coming out of the woodworks as the teams that are going to dominate these next few years with the guys post age 26, guys like Joel Embiid with the 76ers, Giannis with the Bucks, of course the Nets cementing themselves the next few years with their trio that's over 26. Just very experienced superstars coming out of that east from the second round and same to go with the west you got Jokic, rudy gobert's established Kawhi and paul george two guys in their prime they're poised to make runs the next few years and then of course you have kind of that other set of elite teams emerging for the later portion of the 2020s under the age of 25 26 um Mikhail bridges devin booker deandre ayton very solid trio to build around. So much of their team is under that age of 26. And then you also have the Mavericks, Luka, so young. They don't have those guys that are 26, 27. 
to make those plays in the conference finals and the finals to have the confidence of five six years of experience um but they're they're definitely getting there um you definitely see the hawks the knicks and the celtics looking the most poised definitely put the heat in that tier as well with their young core just had some problems in this postseason they weren't healthy and they weren't getting the high field goal percentages from Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler there. Adebayo being part of that younger tier. The Hawks, with their young core, so many guys under the age of 26, they can give you 15 or 20 plus. You know, you got Trey Young, Kevin Herter. You have John Collins, hopefully for the foreseeable future for them. Of course, DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish who are hurt right now, but when they come back, that'll definitely put Atlanta further into that tier of those uh, those young teams that really got next. That that tier of teams that I just mentioned. Of course the Knicks as well with Randall Barrett with Randall and Barrett and it's just those teams that are about to take that next step into the conference finals and finals paired with, with the aforementioned tier of those teams that really look to dominate the next few years. So it's, it's becoming a a drastically different league with the aging of that 2003 draft, LeBron, all those guys transitioning to the younger guys now. They're definitely going to be forces to be reckoned with making finals runs. So excited for the next week of basketball. Hope everyone enjoys it and definitely more to come on the second round coming down to the wire here. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Blazing the Path, a Portland Trailblazers podcast hosted by Rob Hetherington. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts for weekly episodes.